This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Lord, good evening, Christian Family Church. To those of you in the auditorium, those of you watching online, and also everyone in our venues, God is good, and it's good to be back in church. Hallelujah. Don't forget baby dedication next week during our second morning service. I have it on good authority. It's going to be packed. We've been in lockdown for nearly two years. We're bound to have more than one or two babies being dedicated, okay? So if you want to better dedicate your children, bring them along. We've got a wonderful gift pack for them. It's really a memorable time where we as family celebrate the kids that God has given us, so don't miss that. Okay, are you ready for the word this evening? My phone is asking me, it's picking up, Google is picking up and saying, what do you want? I don't want your help. I just want to get back to my teaching. Praise the Lord. Google's always listening. I was telling Pastor Johnny, you know what happened a couple of weeks ago? Pastor Bev was teaching in the morning and she, one of the illustrations she was using had to do with the American recession. Remember that, the Great Recession? And I thought to myself, you know what, I don't know how long the Great Recession was. So I went to Google on my phone and as I started to type how long it auto-text was the Great Depression. Even my phone was listening to the word. That's where we find ourselves. Okay, so we're right in the throes now of our series entitled Summer Essentials. Pastor Greg kicked it off last week. I mean, he had a whole toolkit here. I was list for the beach. I mean, he had sunscreen, he had, he had umbrellas, he had everything that you need as far as summer essentials are concerned. And so I thought to myself, you know, in keeping with this vein, what would really be, what would be a good thing to, to preach on? I mean, because summer's all about holiday, right? Me and my wife recently have discovered or found that we love the bush. So we go out to the bush and a couple of weeks ago, now that it's summer, that it's spring, we were in the Kruger Park and one night specifically, we were sitting there on the, on the porch and we were watching these bats fly over the lake, you know, at night. And it reminded me of these, the story my dad told me, these two bats, Saki and Saro. These two bats, they were vampire bats. They were hanging upside down in the Kango caves. It was like three o'clock in the morning, and I mean, these bats were hungry. Saki and Saro, so Saki says to Saro, he says, listen, Saro, how about we hit it out just for a quick grab, you know, let's go grab a bite. It's 3 a.m. Saro says, no, it's late, man. I'm not going to go out now, come back, find another spot, hang upside down. No, if you want to go, you go. So he says, fine, Saki, Saro, there he goes out the cave. Two minutes later, he comes flying in, hangs upside down again, and he's drenched in blood. I mean, he's, he's soaked from his feet down to his toes. Osara looks at this, he says, Saki, where did you get such a lack of meal so late at night? He says, no, come, I'll show you. So they, they fly to the entrance of the cave. And so Saki says to Saul, he says, you check in the distance, there's this big oak tree over there. He says, he says no, I don't. He says, neither did I. <laughs> for those of you that didn't catch that he flew into the tree that's why he was full of his own blood anyway so <laughs> so anyway summer's about storms and I thought yes you know maybe I should go with a storm theme and you know people default to Matthew 14 the storm Jesus is walking on the water towards Peter and Peter gets out the boat and I thought listen I could have preached the paint off of that thing I mean, I could have gone straight to Matthew chapter 14. I could have used summer storms. I could have tell, I could have told you, listen, you know, when Peter walked on the water, he was actually walking on the word. We heard Pastor Theo teach that, right? We don't walk on the water, we walk on the word. And I thought, but I thought, ah, it's a bit too predictable. 
So I'm going to teach you about something else. I'm going to go somewhere else to a different person in the Old Testament. And my hope is that the story of this man specifically will resonate with every single person, whether you're here watching online or in our venues, that there's something about this guy's life that will speak to you because, I mean, he went through a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, Jacob found himself in a completely lonely and destitute situation because of his own deceptive heart. That's where he found himself. And so I thought, what, what truths could we extract from the story of Jacob that in a world right now where all of us as Christian people should be leading strong, find ourselves like Jacob, perhaps with our hip, out of socket and walking with a bit of a limp, you know? I don't know if any of you find yourselves in that place, but I can tell you in these last two years, there's been more than one or two occasions where I found myself as a Christian leader who's supposed to be leading strong, leading with a bit of a limp. You may not know it, but you never judge a man until you know the battles he's waging and the battles he's fighting on his own. You're not looking, you're not looking at a preacher that doesn't, doesn't have any wounds, that doesn't have any scars. I'm telling you, I've lived long enough to have a lot of wounds and a lot of scars. And so, and so I was wondering, what in the life of Jacob could perhaps resonate with us during this time as I preach tonight? Perhaps you find yourself like Jacob, having to find yourself a new home without anybody to rely on, leaving everybody behind and trying to pursue a new future without any expectation of what's going to happen. Perhaps you find yourself like Jacob in completely unfamiliar territory at a young age, not knowing what to do. I know our youth today are completely disillusioned. A good friend of ours, in actual fact, the dean of our Bible school, Pastor Rodney Pinar's granddaughter, 14 years old, just four days ago committed suicide and hung herself at the age of 14 years old. Kids find themselves disillusioned. They're struggling with issues of gender identity, how to deal with friends that themselves are confused. And the devil has this huge onslaught on the identity of the people that God created, male and female. We find ourselves stuck in that place. Perhaps you find yourself in a place of persecution, extreme persecution. Jacob was extremely persecuted by his uncle Laban. Maybe you find yourself being spitefully used and mistreated unfairly or even justifiably so. Perhaps you've just been a right muhul. You know, sometimes we create our own storms. The Lord doesn't need to send anything. We just do it ourselves, you know? The devil doesn't even have to get involved. Perhaps you find yourself being deceived, and that's where Jacob was, which is why God had to come and do something. Perhaps you're afraid, but perhaps simply during this time of lockdown and isolation, you just find yourself alone. And I'm not talking about not being with people. It's possible to be with a whole bunch of people, but yet still feel desperately lonely. Perhaps you find yourself in that place. I know after my mom was locked down for three months, we couldn't see her. My mom was in good health, except for a few issues. That lockdown of three months where she didn't see family and friends, that nearly killed her. We thought my mom was on her way out, but thank God he raised her up again. So to give you a bit of a background of the story of, es about, of, of Jacob, Jacob had a twin brother and his name was Esau. Esau came out first, so you better believe there was sibling rivalry right from the beginning, okay? And then to add insult to injury, Rebecca, who was Isaac's mother, actually preferred the youngest son. And she was instrumental 
in instigating his deception of his father and stealing his brother's birthright. So you can see there's some family dysfunction there. Perhaps you're involved with a whole bunch of dysfunctional family members at this point in time. Incidentally, the name Jacob means deceiver. Now, many of you know that, but I thought I'd throw that in there because Jacob really lives up to his name by deceiving his father Isaac. He puts goat's hair on his arm, and that's how he gets the blessing of his father. And I always wondered, I thought to myself, Esau must have been not just hairy, but I mean, he must have had hair, you know? I mean, when you, when you can deceive your father with goat's hair, I mean, I'm sure Esau's hair grew hair. That's what I'm talking about, Okay. So he lives up to that name and he deceives his father. Esau's desire for revenge, he wants to kill Jacob, eventually sees Jacob having to up and leave fearing for his life. And then working in a strange land for the perfect wife. We know the story, right? He gets bamboozled. He works seven years for who he thought was Rachel, only to find out it's Leah. Works seven years. Then he has to work another seven years eventually to get the woman that he really wanted, which was Rachel. Worked 14 years for these two ladies. After all the deception, he was deceived by Laban. Unfair wage practices. I mean, this guy had a problem with HR. Where's Fiona? She's our HR lady. I mean, Jacob had a problem with HR working for his uncle Laban. He had problems with different family members, two wives. He decides now he wants to go back home. Spiritually speaking and metaphorically speaking, he wants to go back to the place that he inherited, that was given to him as an inheritance by God. He thought he could just get back there with a small conflict with Esau that needed to be resolved. Needless to say, he must have been fearful. I mean, Esau was a hunter. He was kind of the admin guy. Jacob was the admin guy, and, um, and Esau was more like a Viking kind of guy. So, but he thought he could get back there, and uh, it would be okay. Needless to say, he needed to have an appointment with God, and that's what we're going to speak about in a moment. But you see, Esau's waiting for him. There, before he can occupy the promise, Esau's waiting for him. So, Esau, so Jacob has decided to confront his past by softening his return with a whole bunch of gifts. And it's, not, it's wise, Solomon said, your gift will make room for you and usher you into the presence of great people. Sound advice. If you want to quell the anger of someone, send them a gift. But the position that Jacob finds himself in is self-inflicted. Because of his deceptive nature, he thought up until this point, he could still go into his future with his character flaw. If he could just send a gift to Esau, everything would be okay. But God had different plans. So let's pick up the story, Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 31. It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servants' wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. Can someone say all alone? It's been my experience that God does his best work oftentimes when we are all alone. The Bible even says concerning the, the, Israel that the Lord took his hand off Israel so they could discover what was in their hearts. 
They didn't know what was in their hearts until the presence of the Lord just lifted a little bit. And I don't know how many of you during this time of COVID seeking answers from God have heard nothing. It's almost like heaven is silent. Perhaps God's doing something that we know nothing of. God does his best work sometimes when we are alone. When all the distractions are removed, my experience has been that's when God begins to move. Let's continue. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Now, many theologians um, purport that this man spoken about is a pre-incarnate Christ, also because of who Jacob names him to be, or he names the place Peniel. We'll find that about. So, so here we find Jacob having an appointment with God. When the man saw that he would not win the match, so let's say for the purpose of tonight that this is a pre-incarnate Christ. When the Spirit of God saw that Jacob would not concede, that Jacob would not change as a deceiver, remember? When he saw that he would not change, the Bible says he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Yes, that must have been painful. Can you imagine your whole hip coming out? Of, I've never seen it happen, but I can just imagine how painful that must have been. And listen, kudos to Jacob, because the Bible says, after it was wrenched out of socket, then the man said, or the, the Spirit of God said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me, unless you change me, unless you change my circumstances. You see, if Jacob could have been changed without God touching his hip and wrenching it out of socket, God would have done it. But there was something in Jacob's nature that required more than just a word from God to get fixed. And God needed to see Jacob Walk wounded. Let's continue. I will not let you go until you change me, Jacob says, until you change my circumstances. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means the face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and look at this. And he was limping because of the injury to his hip. Can someone say, walking wounded. Even after an encounter with God, even after a word from the Lord, even after he was blessed and everything had been restored to him, Jacob still walked away with a limp. And it's on this point that I would like to build my message this evening. I love the comparison between Matthew chapter 14 where Jesus calmed the storm. You see, sometimes Jesus will change our circumstances like he did with Peter, but sometimes God has to change us. And we have to trust him enough to allow him to change us the way he deems 
necessary or to bring us into the promise or to bring us into the inheritance or to bring us into the fulfillment of the prophetic word that he's given us in the best way he deems necessary. To see, between me and you, I personally think that it's, if I contrast these two stories, that it's actually easier perhaps to walk on water than it is to walk wounded. And I'll qualify that in a moment. So I love the comparison in the account between Peter and Matthew. And it teaches us something very specific, that we are always to walk on the word, walk on the water. But sometimes while walking on the, walk, walk, walking on the water and walking on the word, it's going to mean that we walk wounded. And now you guys are all looking at me as if you've never been wounded in your life and you always strong as Russians. But if someone's out there that will have to admit, listen, it's not all a bed of roses. And sometimes I'm dealing with my stuff. And if it were not for the grace of God and me understanding that I need to walk wounded, I wouldn't even make it to church. I wouldn't even read my Bible. But as Christians, we find, we find an argument or a case study of this in Scripture. And this is just one example. You see, a lot of folks don't, don't like to walk when they're wounded. When you're going through your stuff, you know, you rather just want to curl up in a ball. You prefer to coddle yourself and, and use your wounds as an excuse not to move. Use your wounds because lockdown has been there and maybe you've just been doing some, some crazy stuff that you never thought you would ever do. And you find yourself in a place of weakness and you're saying, listen, I can't come serve on the dream team today. I can't be out there serving people when my heart is not right with God. When I'm not standing here, in the fullness of what, every, what everything that God has for me. I, Pastor Andre, I can't get out there and just, no, let me tell you, that's just an excuse. You're not to use your wounds as an excuse not to move. Notice Jacob got up after God had blessed him. And even though he walked with a limp, at least he walked. And that's the message that the Lord is bringing us to us tonight. That even though you may be walking wounded, just keep walking. At least walk, don't lay down. I don't know where you find yourself. You know why I say it's easier to walk on the water than it is to walk wounded sometimes? Well, simply because if we take a look at Peter's account for me, and just hear me out for a second. He had been walk, living with Jesus for two years. He'd never seen Jesus forsake or fail anybody. The promises of God were there. And so when Jesus was there in the middle of the storm, he saw Jesus walking on the water physically. And so Jesus gave him a word and said, come. The Bible says that Peter got out the boat and he walked on the water. Jesus was there physically. Not only that, okay, he began to sink when he was distracted, but the Bible says that they walked and got back into the boat. Jesus walked with him to the boat. Notice in this account with Jacob, the angel didn't go with Jacob on to meet with Esau. He left Esau there. Jacob had to walk with that limp alone. He had to walk with that inferiority, perhaps, whatever it is in your case. He had to walk with the fact that he was perhaps retrenched from work and, and was trusting God for finances. How can he go and serve? Perhaps you've gone through a terrible divorce or a relationship breakup and you're walking with that limp and you think, well, you know what? I can't get out there and lead and set the example while I'm doing this. Let me tell you, you are never, ever disqualified from service. Now, you may during a period of time not be able to lead. You may not be able to lead, but you can always serve. You can always serve. And that's one of the reasons why we commit ourselves to service. 
because circumstances will always change. We are human, we fail, but our commitment to service is what gets us back in the house of God week in and week out, regardless of whether we healed, regardless of whether we wounded, we, we walk, we walk by faith. So the difference is here that the angel left Jacob. He did not go on with him to confront Esau. Jacob had to do it all alone. So that's why I'm saying is that it's always easier to going to walk, to be to walk on the word like Peter. But there are also some things that we're just gonna have to do and we're gonna have to walk out on our own. You see, we'd love to walk on the word. We love to walk with the word and on the word. But I'm here tonight to tell you that even though you're doing all that, there's gonna come a time even though you're walking on the word and you're walking with the word, that you're gonna get home and your marriage isn't all that and a bag of chips. When you're gonna get home and your children are still not there, you've raised them in the fear of the Lord and they're not home at 11 o'clock at night because they're out there running around with the world. You're walking with the word and you're walking on the word, but guess what? You're also walking a little bit wounded. And if you're a mother and father that's lost your children to the world for a season and you tell me that it doesn't affect you, I don't know so much. I don't know so much. You see, sometimes you just got to walk wounded. When you perhaps had a miscarriage and three weeks later you have to get back to work, guess what? You got to walk wounded. When you've been retrenched and it's the third month that you've been job hunting and still haven't found anything and you're walking with the word and you're walking on the word, guess what? You just got to get up and keep walking. You've got to walk with a limp. Why? Because we're the type of faith, we're the type of believers whose faith just doesn't quit and provides us the strength, even though we are wounded, to walk wounded. I don't know what your wound is tonight. I don't know. But just hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Perhaps when your move or your immigration plans are not working out exactly the way you expected them and along according to the time frame that you expected it to work out. Perhaps they're just not working out. Guess what? You just got to walk wounded. Now, there's three different kinds of wounds, and I'm going to go through these quickly because I want to continue on with the message and the scriptures. But there's three types of wounds. Number one, there's self-inflicted wounds. That's where we're all to blame. It's mistakes we've made that often lead to shame. Different mistakes for different people, different degrees of shame. And you're carrying the weight of all these missed opportunities. What could have been if, just, if I just hadn't done that, if I just hadn't got involved in that? Those are self-inflicted wounds. The second type of wound is them-inflicted wounds. And this is where people do something to you that, that affects you. It's, it's, you know what? When you're speaking to a loved one or a family member and saying, the time I needed you, you weren't there. You dropped me, you failed me, and that's wounded you. Life-inflicted wounds. I heard Sherman Owens once say this, heaven is everything that's perfect, hell is everything that's wicked, and we're caught somewhere in the middle. Sometimes life just deals you a bad hand. It was unexpected. It just deals you a bad, it just deals you a bad hand. And this is one of the questions, and this is one of the questions I had after reading this account of Jacob, you know? The Bible says after God blessed him, guess what? He didn't heal his hip. He still walked with that wound. And I thought, what's up with that? What's up with a nothing missing, nothing broken, walking in divine health kind of thing, you know? And then I realized that every new level, 
With every new level comes a new devil. With every new level comes a new devil. You see, folks, God set me free from so many bondages when I got saved. But no sooner had I got saved that all the friends I had who were, who were not saved left me. So as joyful as what I was and as happy as what I was in Christ, there was a certain part of me that felt like I'd been wounded because these people that I respected and loved didn't respect me anymore because I was now a Christian. And it hurt. I remember visiting my family two weeks after I got saved. I was in the bar with my dad and all of his friends, and I found this as an opportunity to tell them about what Jesus has done in my life. And no sooner had I told them that than they were laughing at me after 10, bottles of, 10 cans of beer each and a bottle of whiskey started mocking and ridiculing me. And my family actually taught, treated me like I was an absolute outcast. I mention this because so many are waiting for everything and all to go away. But God is saying that if you're hoping to get to the restoration that Jacob enjoyed with Esau and live in the fullness of the promises, you're going to have to learn to walk wounded. We are going to have to learn to walk wounded. You see, this race of life has not been given to the fast and the strong. It's been given to the courageous. Now let's see if there's a New Testament example of this. And this scripture is so profound. It's the life of Paul. Now if you read chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, Paul will tell you about all the stuff he went through, the kind of stuff we don't preach about because we think that the time of that sort of persecution, that sort of relational dysfunction has come to an end. So he speaks about everything that he went through. And then Paul goes on to say this, and I love this, it's in the message translation, but talking about walking wounded, we're about to find out that Paul himself, just like Jacob, walked wounded. Because of the extravagance of the revelations, and so I, would get a, uh, so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Look at what Paul says, he says, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. I wonder how he did that. I wonder if it had to do with him reminding Paul of all the Christians that he persecuted, that he sent to prison, standing and presiding over the stoning of Stephen. I wonder if the devil brought into Paul's mind full view everything that he had always done wrong. He says this, Satan, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What in fact what he did was he pushed me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift. I begged God to remove it. I wonder, it's not recorded, but I wonder if Jacob, after that incident, a couple of years later said, Lord, can't you just sort this thing out? Can't you just sort this thing out? And guess what? He didn't. Just like God hasn't grown back limbs for, um, for Buyacek, what is his name? Nick. The guy without life, without limbs, no arms and no legs, no miracle has happened to date. And I personally believe that he got, if he got his arms and legs back, he would not be nearly as effective for the kingdom of Christ. So I wonder if Jacob had done that, because Paul did that. He says, uh, three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness, Paul. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap. Stop focusing on what you're not getting right and focus on what God has done right. 
Because he said, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I, I quit focusing on my handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case it was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride. Paul is saying I'm prepared to walk wounded. I'm prepared to write the letters to the churches even though I'm unjustifiably imprisoned and accused falsely. I'm prepared to continue. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. You see, when you're walking on the word, it takes all of God. When you walk wounded, it takes all of you. It means you have to give up on yourself. It takes sacrifice. You see, wounds don't make us weak. They make us warriors. Your wounds aren't, meant, aren't there to make you weary. They're there to make you a warrior. And, and I wonder if there's another example, just before I conclude with this, with this final example, I wonder if there's another example of someone who walked wounded, whose life was completely destroyed because of bad decisions he makes. And I think about the life of Samson. You see, Samson didn't lose his anointing. Because he told a woman where it lied. He lost his anointing because of compromise and lust. And not only did he lose his anointing, but he also lost his ability to see. His eyes were gouged out, the Bible says. Talk about walking wounded, Pastor Johnny. Talk about not having it when you need it. But during that time where Samson could no longer see the very thing that had caused him to stumble, for a period of time his hair began to grow back until the day he stood between those two pillars and he said, God, one more time. Just do it one more time. Jesus, I'm back. The very thing that has been my limitation has been my salvation. The fact that I don't have my eyes to compromise has put me in this place where you can use me one more time. Use me one more time. And God shows up. Samson isn't remembered for Delilah. Samson is remembered for killing more enemies in his last moments in life than his entire time when he lived. I'm thinking and I'm wondering if Samson can walk wounded and Paul can walk wounded and Jacob can walk wounded and he can say, Lord God, my weaknesses are your strength. Is there someone here tonight that can say, God, I'm still here. I'm gonna walk wounded. I'm not gonna lie down. I'm aware of my shortcomings. I'm aware of my weaknesses, but I'm not gonna let the devil lie to me anymore. I'm coming to church. I don't care what the devil says to me. I'm trusting in the blood of Jesus to restore me. I'm coming to serve. I'm coming to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm gonna worship you because my bad, bad, my, my, my bad decisions will never rob me, rob you of your praise and I will praise you regardless. The greatest leaders of our time and in times past were men and women who mastered the art of walking wounded. Sometimes you're gonna have to walk wounded to church. 
Sometimes you're going to have to walk wounded in your marriage. Sometimes you're going to have to walk wounded to freedom groups. Even though other people may have broken your confidence and let you down, let me tell you, this church has got, free, has got a freedom group for you. We've got a, we've got a groups We've got a groups department unlike any that I've personally seen in South Africa, where we run curriculums. Right now, emotional restoration is starting this month, and it's starting on Zoom. Get involved. If you, if you feel that these wounds can be sorted out, get involved in a freedom group and deal with your yesterdays. Get it out there. The Bible says in James, confess your sins one to another so that healing may come from the Lord. Get involved in a group. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you're going to have to walk wounded to counseling. After having suffered tremendous loss, sometimes you're going to have to walk wounded to serve a church. Sometimes you're going to have to walk wounded just to read your Bible, as I mentioned. And sometimes you're even praying while you're wounded. You know what? It's okay. Samson couldn't see. Everyone had forsaken him. He was on his own. But yet he prayed. And he said, God, do it one more time. Do it one more time. And then Jesus in John 20 and verse 20, and I'm going to close with this. As he spoke, the Bible says, he showed them the wounds. Notice he doesn't say he showed them his wounds. Because the wounds that were in the nailed scars in the hands of Jesus, they weren't Jesus' wounds. We put those wounds there. They were our wounds. And the Bible says he showed his disciples his wounds. Now look at their response. He showed them, he sh um, as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And the Bible says the disciples were filled with joy. They were filled with joy. Let me tell you, folks, your wounds are going to lead to someone's joy. You may not know it now. You may not see it. But if you're prepared to walk wounded, there is something in your life that God is going to raise as a testimony that's going to bring joy to others while it brought sorrow to you. God will do it again. I want to show you something. Can I just get that, can I get that piece of rebar quickly? And I'm going to close with this. Now, here we have something quite ordinary. You can find this anywhere. It's like three centimeters by maybe three feet in length. I mean, you can pick this up at Builder's Warehouse. You can get it anywhere, really, right? It's just, a, it's just a piece of steel. That's all it is. It's average. Wouldn't draw your attention anywhere, right? Wouldn't draw your attention. Bring that other one to me. But let me show you what this, can I see this? What that can become. You see, because the only difference, the only difference between this and that is this was wounded. Listen to me. Without wounds, you'll all stay average. Without wounds, you see, this thing was put on an anvil. It was put into a furnace. It was beaten. It's a crusader sword. Isn't it beautiful? But guess what? It began like that. Now, maybe some of us may not be this right now because Jesus is this for us. But between now and when we become progressively more like Jesus, there's going to be a whole bunch of sticking in the fire. There's going to be a whole bunch of beaten on the anvil. But guess what, folks? If we walk wounded, guess what? Pretty soon, Pretty soon we're going to be wielded just like this sword and not be an average piece of rebar that you find sitting on the shelf. I don't know about you, but Jesus didn't die for me to be average. Can I get an amen? How many of you are looking forward to being this? Amen. Will we walk wounded? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed.
nobody looking around at this point in time. You might be here and you say to me, Pastor Andre, I'm not wounded, I'm destroyed. Life is all but done and wrecked me. Perhaps you're watching this online. I want to invite you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life because there is only hope in Jesus. There is only hope in Jesus. The Bible says that he's like a two-edged sword. And so tonight, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just want you to simply raise your hand in the air and say, Pastor Andre, I need Jesus tonight. At the count of three, I want you to say, I need Jesus tonight. And I wanna pray with you. The Lord's gonna strengthen you. He's gonna heal you. He's gonna bind up those wounds. He's gonna pour the healing oil of his anointing. The Bible speaks about the balm of Gilead that will heal you. If that's you tonight at the count of three, whether you're watching online in this auditorium in our venues, at the count of three, won't you raise your hand and say, yes, I need Jesus. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now in the air. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. Now, please, please pray this prayer with me. Everybody, let's pray this prayer together. Let's say this, Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me and you would cleanse me. I know I've sinned and fallen short of your glory. Lord, I've misunderstood you. I've blamed you. I've been angry with you. Tonight I ask that you would forgive me. I didn't understand and I didn't know. But I believe that you died for me. And after three days, you rose again. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I make you the Lord of my life. I promise to love you and to serve you until the day I see you face to face. Come on, let's give them a warm Christian Family Church International. God bless you. Welcome to the family. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.